This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, y'all? It's Monday, March 28th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. I'm your host, Chris Hummer, and today we're talking Texas. Before you roll your eyes, there will be no Are They Back Talk. Instead, we'll be joined by two guests to help us break down the Longhorns. The first is Southlake Carroll High School head coach, Riley Dodge. Southlake is a powerhouse Texas program, and Dodge, a former Texas staffer himself, coached Quinn Ewers in high school. We'll talk to him about Quinn the prospect and what Texas fans can expect from their new five-star quarterback. After here, Coach Dodge, we'll turn to our guy, Jeff Howe from Horns 24-7. Jeff will help us break down some of the big non-QB questions for the Longhorns heading into a critical year two for Steve Sarkeesian. All right, let's get started with Riley Dodge. Coach Dodge, thanks so much for joining us. This is a podcast about Texas, so I want to mention you were a QC there for a little while under Mac Brown, former Mac Brown commit for a little bit, actually. Dad played there, so lots of connections to the program. And uh, I guess you got another one with Quinn Ewers uh, being on campus. I wanted to ask you, there's been so much hype around Quinn. I've heard the word generational thrown around his name. But when you, you've been around him longer than anybody, what kind of arm talent are we talking when we're talking about Quinn Ewers? Yeah, I think the the word has been thrown around quite a bit. I think I've used it a lot, but you know, I feel like I've been a lot around a lot of quarterbacks, high school level, college level, NFL level, and the kids got he's got it. When we talk about arm talent, you know, one guy that kind of pops in my mind that he's very similar to arm talent wise and touch every part of the field is uh, you know young Ryan Mallett when he came out of when he came out of uh, Texas High, um, one of the bigger arms I've ever seen in person. So when it comes to uh, Arm talent, you're not going to find any better than Quinn. Yeah, Ryan Mallett had a cannon at Arkansas. For those of y'all who remember him, he was he was awesome. I've heard there's a toughness element to Quinn, too. He played through an injury his junior year. I believe it was a sports hernia. Can you share how he fought through that and kind of the percentage he was playing out in the playoffs when y'all made that run? Yeah, so after week three, you know, just crazy deal. He gives me a call and tells me he's having some pain and uh, ends up being a double hernia. They fly up all the way to Pittsburgh with him and his family, have the procedure, and he's out, you know, majority of the year. He doesn't come back till around the playoffs. Really wasn't clear. I mean, it was close um, to getting cleared for that third-round playoff game. Doctor said he could he could do it if we, you know, kept him in the pocket and that's easier said than done. But, you know, the kid's a warrior. I mean, there's a lot of kids that, you know, wouldn't have done what he did and just what he did behind the scenes to get back for his teammates and for us to make his state championship run. And, you know, I think the one aspect that people probably saw of him as a sophomore, would have seen a lot more of him as a junior in high school, is how athletic he is and how he can really extend a play and, and how he can hurt you in the run game as well. So I think that's an aspect that gets lost a little bit in his game that wasn't shown as a junior just because he was hurt. And I know it was frustrating for him. Um, I think it was a blessing in disguise as well just because it allowed him to – he really had to sit in the bo- really sit in the pocket and uh, go through his reasons, his progressions. And, yeah, he's a, he's a tough dude, and that's what you want as a, as a quarterback. Yeah, some of the plays he made as a sophomore, when you just see the highlights on film with him rolling out, just letting it go, are just disgusting. Like, yeah, he, you know, we had a really big win his sophomore year. That's kind of when, you know, everybody saw what we had. And this young kid was, we're playing Den Geyer, Ad Geyer, 
essentially for the district championship and is late in the game and he takes one of the house for about 65 and he's running away from you know the Harmon kid that I think went to AM. I mean he's pulling away from the secondary that was kind of a wild factor that you know we got a quarterback that obviously can throw the ball but he can he can also run a little bit too well, I'm sure Steve Sarkeesian will be happy to utilize that element of no it uh, when it comes down <laughs> to it. I don't want to relegate his decision to reclassify, though I'm sure you probably have some thoughts about the Texas and NIL laws and everything else that went with that. But how do you think that decision and his time at Ohio State have shaped him? Yeah, obviously it was a uh, it was a very interesting time for us as a program for him and his family. Um, it was a whirlwind, um, and it happened fast. So you know, obviously it was a um, it was it was definitely a process for him. You know, I think that obviously kind of unexpectedly now I'm going to college. I'm going to college far away from home. Don't know a lot of people, and um, you know, I think it was not everything that that they thought or that Quinn thought it was going to be. But at the same time, I think it, uh, it definitely helped him out grow up. And uh, when you're on your own and you got to figure out, make some life decisions on your own. And, you know, at 18 years old, you know, he's one of the more mature kids I've ever been around. So I think that it definitely helped him in that aspect socially and, and on the field. What did you uh, think of the fit with Texas when you ultimately decided to go there? And for those who don't remember, Quinn was originally committed to Texas, I believe, as a junior in high school. Grew up a Texas fan. Yeah, just me personally. Obviously, Burn Orange runs deep into our family. And, um, Obviously, uh, had an opportunity to work there for uh, Coach Brown and Coach Strong, Coach Strong's first staff at, at Texas. But um, yeah, so I'm fired up. I think that's where he should have been from the get go. You know, he was committed to Coach Herman. Um, Coach Herman got let go, and then Coach Sarkeesian got the job. And, you know, at any point that, you know, Quinn's family or Quinn asked me, you know, what do you think about Texas? I mean, I just don't think there's a better fit for him personally and to get developed by anyone else but Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, the proof is in the pudding from, you know, you know, all the different places he's been at USC to the league to, you know, Alabama back to Texas and a lot of places in between. So I think it's an amazing fit. And I think the style of offense that he's about to hop into really fits his game. Yeah, I wanted to ask. It can be really tough, especially in Steve Sarkeesian's system for a freshman to pick that up. But y'all run yeah. a pretty complex scheme at Southlake and Ryan Day's system at Ohio State. It's nothing to sneeze at either. How quickly do you think he can grasp that scheme uh, that Steve Sarkeesian's going to be running? I think very quickly. I think the biggest thing is it's like everywhere. I mean, everybody runs similar concepts. Um, you know, here at Carroll, we're very West Coast based horizontally and vertically and, you know, in different families. And it's very similar to what Coach Sarkeesian does. And obviously everybody's got, you know, does different things and they can do a lot of different, more things in the college level with the with the tools they got. But what I will say is that the kid's very smart. You know, he's a sponge. He takes the board to the grass really quickly. He takes a lot of pride in it too. So, you know, I think that it's going to, it takes everybody time. It, I don't think there's any quarterback that just walks into a meeting room and starts picking it up immediately. But, um, you know, I think he's going to, he's going to be able to put the time in and uh, he's going to take pride in it. And uh, I think he'll do well. And I wanted to ask, I don't think there's a position that comes with more pressure than the quarterback at Texas. Um, your dad can attest to that, I'm sure, as well. How do you think the last three years have prepared Quinn to handle that role? Yeah, obviously on a smaller scale, but I think it's South Lake Carroll. We have a microscope on us. You know, feel like on every Friday night or Thursday night, in the state of Texas, everybody knows who we're playing. And then, you know, we're making long runs in the playoffs. And obviously, we got a talented quarterback uh, like Quinn. I mean, he's he's felt the pressure. And, you know, you know, in, in this town, everybody's a dragon. So the little ones, they don't they don't really care about Dak Prescott. They care about who, who's the starting quarterback, the Carroll Dragon. So he felt that the high school level and obviously being the big-time recruit that he was, he's definitely felt that. But I will also say this, that uh, – 
I don't know if I could handle it the way he has and just the way he just kind of goes with the flow with it. It is what it is to him. And he's a simple, he's a simple guy. Likes to hang out with buddies, fish and hunt and uh, play some football, listen to a little country music. So, I mean, I mean, he's pretty level-headed. Huh, he sounds like he could start in the next Texas uh, high school football show at the time, like ABC <laughs> or something like that. Back yeah, especially, yeah, especially the hair. Yeah. No, no doubt. South Lake hair is special, man. It is, yeah. it is absolutely something. And yeah. last thing, at the risk of asking a question that borders on requesting a grand declaration about how his career is going to go, when you think about Quinn's ceiling, ultimately, what can he be? There's not a ceiling. I mean, there, there really, there's really not. I mean, at the end of the day, there's been a lot of talented dudes to touch the football to throw the football at the University of Texas and a lot of different places. But at the end of the day, it's about how you do things and uh, how you go about your business day in and day out. What are you willing to invest into yourself and into your teammates? And um, that's what it comes down to, to be a great quarterback. I mean, there's some, there's some really talented dudes all over the country that all played all play the positions, but it's about what you put into it. And I think he's willing to make that that sacrifice. And it is and it is a sacrifice when you play the quarterback position, especially at the University of Texas and big time college football. So there's not a ceiling to me if he if he dives in and, and doesn't uh and doesn't blink, I mean it's it's gonna it's gonna pay off in a big way. All right. Well, Coach Dodge, thanks so much for joining us. If you've never been to a Texas high school football game and you're listening from out of the state, go to South Lake, Texas. It is an experience all to itself. South Lake's always an annual state title contender. And thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. We'll be right back with more about Texas. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We're back with Horns 24-7's Jeff Howe. I used to work with Jeff, and Jeff's a busy man. Uh, he's a senior writer at Horns 24-7. He's got a daily radio show, hosts a Longhorn Blitz, and he's a dad. So we appreciate him taking a couple minutes out of his day to talk with us. Spring practice is underway in Austin. By the time you will have heard this podcast, there will be, uh, I believe, two or three practices in. So Jeff, I'm looking forward to your perspective. There's a lot of directions you could take a podcast about Texas. And obviously, Steve Sarkeesian's first season did not go as many anticipated. He's the first Texas coach, at least the first first year Texas coach since the 30s to have started his career with a losing record. Not the best start, but there's a lot of reason for optimism, I think, in Austin. I wanted to start with the offense. We already talked about Quinn Ewers at the top of this podcast, so we're going to probably avoid that subject a little bit. 
but I wanted to talk about the dudes protecting him. The offensive line, particularly in class blocking situations last year, was an issue for Texas. Is that group going to be better in your opinion? I think they'll be better. Will they be, you know, better to where you consider this line one of the best two or three in the Big 12? I wouldn't shoot that far. You know, I do think, you know, overall, when you look at that group, Chris, there were things in terms of technique and fundamentals under the previous regime that by the end of their time at Texas, uh, a lot of those things had really fallen by the wayside and, and they were really behind the eight ball. And quite frankly, a lot of sloppiness and fundamentals of technique under her pant. Uh, that was kind of the knock coming from uh, guys that were still inside the program at the time. So, you know, I, I think Kyle Flood, I, I say that to say this, Kyle Flood had a lot to do to repair the foundation uh, of this offensive line. And it was stuff that he was not going to get done in an offseason. I think when you look, you know, you can look at some numbers, you know, football outsiders for one that tracks O-line metrics. And, and if you look at them, and Texas was top 10, top 15 in the country uh, in yeah. some run game metrics, uh, you'd say, wow. And if you didn't watch it down in Texas all year and just looked at the numbers, you'd say, wow, that offensive line was pretty good. But to your point, Chris, with the pass blocking, when you look at just the individual pieces, they didn't measure up to what that body of work from the outside, just looking at the numbers, suggests that it probably should have been. And I think a lot of that goes back to the fundamentals and techniques. So I think this is a really big spring for Kyle Flood to figure out those guys that you had a year with now who has improved their fundamentals enough or their rate of development is far along enough to where you feel like okay it's worthwhile to invest in these guys and they will be appreciably better by the time you get to the fall and throughout the season or which guys probably you don't aren't going to be able to count on and a Devon Campbell, a Nato Meazulu, a Kelvin Banks, uh, this really talented offensive line class, all except for Cole Hudson, won't be on campus until the summer. Uh, how many of those guys are you going to need to depend on and where are you going to need to depend on them? I think manufacturing depth is a really big thing with this group because losing a guy like Derek Kerstetter, uh, he was your wild card. You know, if you had an injury anywhere in the offensive line because he had played everywhere, center, guard, and tackle, you could put him wherever you had the bigger, biggest need and just kind of keep on rolling and at least keep it together. You no longer have that luxury. So, uh, you know, whether it's it's Junior Angulao working some reps at center, you know, I know Logan Parr is working there. Sawyer Gorm Welch, mover from the, from the defensive line is working there. Is it working Hayden Connor at tackle a little bit? Getting Christian Jones and Andre Carrick to work both tackle spots. I think manufacturing depth along with, you know, judging where guys are on fundamentals and technique. Those are the two really big things for Kyle Flood this spring that I think depending on where they're at after the spring game, that'll give you a really big indicator on what the ceiling for this group might be. That's certainly the group to watch on offense, maybe outside of wide receiver, but I think there are some pieces of wide receiver at least that you fully believe in. And if people are healthy, that group should be excellent. So it might come down to the O-line and whoever ends up at quarterback. The defense took a ton of criticism last year under the first year staff to the point where there were a lot of conversations in the fan base about whether the new defensive coordinator uh, PK should come back. Um, that group finished, I believe, 102nd nationally in yards allowed per play. It really had its struggles uh, in some games. I could think of the Kansas game particularly where the group just looked totally lost. There are some new transfers and maybe some more that will come in later. Is there reason to believe that group could be better in 2022? I mean, they can't be worse, right? It's hard to imagine <laughs> Texas defense being worse than they were last year. I, you know, I think for, for me, Chris, a lot of people that, that cover the team, fans that follow the team, you know, the Arkansas game was a wake-up call that lost in Fayetteville. The way it happened was a wake-up call on a lot of fronts. And for me, it was, okay, maybe this defensive line is not as good as I thought it was going to be. And I wasn't alone in that thought, but I really thought Texas had something special on the defensive line last year. And it just really didn't come to fruition. And similar to the offensive line, 
you know, there were games where when the strength and or athleticism components were even, or maybe the opponent had a little bit of an edge, uh, you saw Texas just get completely dominated up front. And it's really hard to put to, you know, I don't care what your blitz packages are, how elaborate your shells and coverage are. If you're getting rolled off the line of scrimmage and the opponent is able to consistently reestablish the line of scrimmage on you almost at will, it's going to be really tough to stop anybody. And I think, you know, the point of attack is where it all goes back to PK's defense. There was a play last year, Chris, that I think kind of encompasses the struggles that this defense had. It was a game Texas won, actually, the, the last game of the season against Kansas State. Will Howard busted off a seven, I think it was a 71, 72-yard touchdown run. And you go back and watch that play, and I don't think any of the 11 guys, nobody, any level of that defense on that one play did their job right. Like, there's no penetration up front. Uh, the edges got collapsed. Uh, the linebackers got caught in the wash. The safeties took horrible angles. Uh, the corners got off blocks late. And, you know, Will Howard, I don't think anybody put a hand on him on his way to the end zone. And it's like that just encompasses the struggles that that group had. So it's a really big offseason for Pete Witkowski, no doubt. I think, you know, one term that I've heard Chris describe this defense that I actually love, you know, my colleague Rod Babers in the Longhorn Blitz podcast use it, and I've kind of borrowed it from him. So uh, shout out to Rod. You know, the structural integrity of the defense last year was so bad. Bad, that when you go back and watch it, it's hard to really tell what they are trying to get accomplished. And we've seen some Texas offenses in the past look like that. That was where the defense was last year. So I think for Pete Witkowski, I think hiring Gary Patterson, you know, as the specialist for the head coach is really going to help him understand this league. And to me, that's where it starts. I don't think that defensive staff coming in last year really understood where the league was at. You know, there was a lot of talk. Oh, hey, look what he did against Mike Leach's air raid offense in Washington State. Well, Chris, you, you follow this league as close as anybody. Nobody in the Big 12 really does that anymore. And, you know, when you look at the schedule this season, I mean, outside of Texas Tech, there's nobody. You've got, you know, kind of some distant cousins of the air raid, but there are no true air raid offenses other than, like I said, maybe what Zach Kittley's going to do and for Joe McGuire at Texas West, Tech. And West Virginia with uh, with Graham Harrell coming in as well might turn that direction. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a, lot, yeah. a, lot of wide, a lot of wide zone in the Big 12, not a lot of air raid anymore. Yeah, and, you know, Neil Brown's been a hybrid spread guy, so we'll see what their offense looks like. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think they didn't do a really good job of understanding the league and studying the league. So I think you've got to... Honestly, Chris, where the improvement start for the Texas defense is things like, can you identify your best 11 players and figure out the best ways to deploy them? And then I think beyond that, if this defense is going to take significant steps forward, I, I think the two guys you've really got to get it out of are Alfred Collins up front and DeMarvin Overshone at linebacker. I think in those two guys, you've got a chance to have, you know, guys on that first team, second team, all Big 12 type level with those two guys. And if you can get a, a difference maker along the line of scrimmage and a true difference maker at linebacker on a consistent game to game, down to down basis, then yeah, you will be better. So, uh, but like I said, I think it's just, kind of just tearing everything down and building it back up, starting with can Pete Kwiatkowski come out of the spring feeling like, okay, within this group, I've got 11 guys that I feel like I can deploy them properly and go line up and play a game and at least be confident on defense. I wanted to ask you really quickly, Jeff, what's the strength of this team right now? Offensive skill. I mean, it, it would be really simple to say running back because that is their deepest and most talented position. I mean, look, you know, when, when you've got Jonathan Brooks coming off of a shoulder injury, as basically to start spring practice as your number five running back, you've got a heck of a lot of depth. And I think that's a, a credit to Stan Drayton uh, and really the player personnel staff at Texas for really doing a great job of rebuilding that room from the time the previous regime got to campus to where it is now. Uh, you know, they recruited all of those guys with the exception of Jaden Blue, who, you know, 
Sark and the staff identified. I mean, you know, Chris, we had him at 24-7 sports. He was the number one ranked running back prospect in the country before not playing his senior year of high school. So, uh, and he's on campus for the summer. So running back is really deep and really talented. But I think when you look at receiver, you know, adding Isaiah Nayor, a, a legitimate vertical threat that's going to allow you to use Xavier Worthy in so many more different ways. You don't have to pigeonhole him into one position. Jordan Whittington, when healthy, uh, is a difference maker on offense. And then I'm really intrigued by the tight end group. I think, you know, Jatavian Sanders uh, coming off of a year where, you know, he played, I think in all 12 or 11 games. Uh, when you look at what he brings to the table at tight end, Jaleel Billingsley coming in as a transfer from Alabama, Gunnar Helm might be the most well-rounded of that group. And Texas was predominantly a 12 personnel offense last year. They've got the tools to be able to do that. Or uh, Sark can really mix it up. And I think hiring Brennan Marion, bringing in some of the concepts from his go-go offense, where it was a lot of two-back sets, and then you can really maximize that group. I just think the offensive skill talent on hand and the way they can deploy it with the resources they have. You know, Chris, it's not out of out of the out of reason to say Texas they might have the best collection of skill talent in the Big 12. Yeah, I honestly, like just looking at it, I don't think there's much question about that. Maybe Oklahoma, but even Oklahoma right now has some pretty significant questions at wide receiver outside of Marvin Mims and DOEs if he's healthy. They have some questions at running back. That group wasn't as good last year as you expected. So it's a really, Texas is a really interesting skill group. Absolutely. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Be sure if you're a Texas fan to check out the Longhorn Blitz. For Chris Hummer and our producer, Lance Glenn, please rate, review, and subscribe if you enjoyed the podcast, and we'll talk to y'all soon. Thanks so much. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.